0: to I Am Telling, where we have real stories from real students. Our podcast features students from South Mountain Community College Storytelling Institute, located in Phoenix, Arizona. These stories are recorded live in a classroom setting with just one take. 1009 10th Street, Southeast, Jamestown, North Dakota, phone number one w It's amazing how after 70 years, I can remember my address and my phone number, but I can't remember my kids. I have to get out my cell phone and look up, what is their address? And I don't know their phone number. I just push a button. Is it because some memories are so deep in your psyche that they remain a fond part of your whole life. I was seventh of eight children in a very good Catholic fundamental family. (laughs) Mom and dad had gone through some desperate times. They had lost their farm during what was called the Great Depression. The bank had taken over the farm And the Catholic Church had found them a little house to live in, in Kensal, North Dakota. It had no heat, but it was a place to live. And so through the course of the summers, my dad would go down to the railroad yard and he would sweep out the coal bins for any extra layers of coal that he could get to stockpile for the winter months. And my mom had a garden larger than the Jolly Green Giant's garden in Minnesota, and she would can and pickle all fall so that her kids would be fed during the winter. They never lost their faith, even when their firstborn died during labor. And miscarriage after miscarriage Mom would give herself a day or two to rest because there were no doctors and no hospitals. And then she would get up and do what she felt was her most important job, that of being a mom. Now, when the war broke out, and yes, I am that old, when the war broke out, my dad was able to get a job in Jamestown on the railroad because all the young men were being called into service. He found a house right across the street from the railroad yards. And mom and dad finally were able to relax. They had an income. They had a home with heat. And then another tragedy struck. The landlord decided that he wanted to sell the house And because something deep in mom and dad's psyche wouldn't allow them to take out another loan from a bank for fear that the bank would take the house if something horrible happened again. So dad, with his little bit of savings, went and bought a piece of property on the east side of Jamestown. And then he came and he bought a barn. It was on a corner where the Red Owl grocery store was going to build a new grocery store. And so the barn came pretty cheap. He gathered together his friends, his railroad workers, and they dug a foundation. And they loaded that barn on a flatbed. And they took it all the way across town to the east end. And they plopped that barn on a foundation. Now my memory of that was my sister and I sitting up in the hayloft with our feet dangling out the hayloft door, grabbing the straw that was under our butts and throwing it out and crying. Oh, whether it was embarrassment or it was fear, I remember thinking, how? Could mom and dad do this to us? Well, it didn't take long, and that hayloft door was sheetrocked over, and two bedrooms were created on the second floor a great big one for all my brothers, and a little tiny one for my sister and I. A kitchen was put in, but we had no running water, and we had no indoor plumbing. We soon learned what a slop pail was, what a wash tub bath was, what it meant to have an outhouse, and what it meant to go without heat on the second floor. Now, the winters in North Dakota have a tendency to get bitter cold. And since there was no heat on the second floor, my mom would make quilts with the clothes that we had all worn out. And long before it became stylish to have quilted clothes, my mother made quilted blankets for us. And we were so poor that we had goose-down and duck-down pillows how I had so wanted a foam-rubber pillow. (laughs) Well, things started to improve, and my mom and dad's first priority was for us to get a Catholic education and to graduate from high school. So, a great portion of my dad's check went to St. John's Academy We never took a vacation. We did not have new furniture. But his kids were going to graduate because he had to quit school in the sixth grade as a result of his dad dying. And he had to run the farm. My mother had to quit school in the eighth grade because her mother had had a massive stroke and she had to be the cook for her five brothers and for the farmhands. And so Dad made sure we were going to get a good religious education. Now, being without a car meant we had to walk in a blazing snowstorm to school, which was 2.39 miles from our house which really bugged us because there was a public school four blocks away. And by the time I got the galoshes to wear over your shoe, my sister had worn out that fur, you know, that was on the top of the galoshes. And walking to school, that rubber would rub against my back thigh And my skin would burn with the rubber scars. Oh, how I complained. But you know, I never once gave thought or consideration to the fact that my dad walked six miles to work. And after he got to work, he had to walk a two-mile-long train to check for hot boxes. Dad walked to work for five years, and for 25 years he walked those two-mile trains to check for hot boxes. Now, if you've ever seen this Christmas story with Ralphie, Do you remember the scene where Ralphie's dad's in the basement and he's trying to get that old coal furnace to create some heat and this big black plume of smoke comes up the vent? That was nothing. That happened every day at 10.09. My mother would get up before the rest of us kids and she would go down into that deep, dark, wet basement and she'd pull out those clinkers Now clinkers are coal that wouldn't burn. So she had to shovel out the clinkers and then she would go to the coal bin and she would shovel a whole bunch of coal. And at that time, we didn't have Trump's clean coal. So there'd be this plume of coal dust that would come up and she'd work for a half an hour to get a good flame going. There were many, many mornings we were served breakfast by a woman who looked like she had worked the whole day in a coal mine, but we always had homemade hot breakfast. Oatmeal, French toast, pancakes served with the most glorious, deep purple chokecherry jelly that mom had picked and jellied the year before. Times did start to improve. Although, I have to tell you, when you live in a house with a coal furnace, you have one grate, a great big metal grate. And it's usually in the middle of the front room floor. We had no heat on the second floor. (laughs) So Mom would take our clothes that we were going to wear to school the next day and she'd put chairs around the heat vent and lay our clothes on them so that when we got out of that freezing bed and ran down the stairs our clothes were warm to wear I remember so many things about that house I remember You think getting a new iPhone is a wonder? There is nothing compared to seeing your dad bring that white two-piece porcelain toilet into the house (laughs) and bolting it down on the O-ring. And as we all gathered around and we watched him push the handle down, and saw the first flush, that is awe. It meant we no longer had to go to the outhouse, and going to the outhouse usually meant we had to chase the pigeons or the snakes out. So no wonder so many of us had urinary tract infections. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Times did improve we got an oil furnace. Dad made storm windows that he, we all learned to put on before the winter came. Because before, the windows would get so frosted over on the inside, we could not see out. And the linoleum would curl in our bedrooms. But now we had storm windows. And the most marvelous thing of all was we had a brand new 15-year-old car. (laughs) That was better than any Cadillac we'd ever laid eyes on. But many the winters, my dad would walk the six miles to work so that mom could drive us to school. As the Tale of Two Cities starts. It was the worst of times. It was the best of times. And for me, that barn became a palace. And the lessons we all learned there, my dad's philosophy was if you can't afford to buy it, if you can't afford to hire it done, then learn how to make it or do it yourself. And as a result, I've learned how to pour concrete. I know how to hang sheetrock. I know how to lay floors. I know how to paint. And I'm wicked with a hammer. <laughs> I have remodeled many homes. My ex-husband used to tell people, most women ask for cologne for Christmas, Merrily ask for a new Makita drill. <laughs> Now, none of us live in North Dakota anymore. All my brothers and sisters have moved on to greater lives and finer places. But I am a hardcore believer that the lessons we learned at 1009 helped every one of us become who we are. My brother Sam had a daily column for the Phoenix Gazette and Arizona Republic. He has written nine books and he still writes for Arizona Highways. My brother, Richard, as a result of tinkering with Dad, became an engineer, and he invented a part that was on the rocket that sent the astronauts to the moon. My brother, Jim, retired as a colonel in the Air Force. And before retiring, he was granted the Hughes Trophy which is the award given to the commander of the best Air Force base in the Air Force. My sister and her husband became over-the-road semi-truck drivers for 30 years, day and night, rain, sleets. They delivered food all over the United States. And I, (laughs) well, I became a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous, a program that I work very hard at. My talents of sewing and painting and working with a hammer, Mm -hmm. I have become an artist. And uh, the stories that I was raised with, I believe, are a great basis for my storytelling. Mm -hmm. Now, once my brothers and sisters and I were raised, my mom and dad moved to Arizona. And in the two years they were alive, my dad learned how to play golf and ride a bicycle. (laughs) And my mom, for the first time ever, wore shorts and slacks. And I saw them smile a lot. So when I think of saints, I think of my mom and dad who lived their whole life for the welfare and well-being of their children. And when I think of sacred, I think of 1009 10th Street Southeast and the lessons and the love I received there. If you are interested in learning how to become a storyteller, please visit our website at southmountaincc.edu forward slash storytelling.